You're listening to Like Nobody's Business, and I'm your host, Emily Castle. This podcast is a space of devotion to mastery, excellence, and thriving in our businesses and in our lives as women entrepreneurs. Each month, I'll be helping you tool up with resources to support you to navigate a new area of entrepreneurial life with intention, strategy, and soul. I'll walk you through it by answering your specific questions, help get you on top of it with actionable tips, look under it to help you reprogram your subconscious mind for more ease, and when it comes to the common traps I see many of my coaching clients and listeners fall into, I'll get you over it. Together, we'll explore a broad range of topics that impact and influence how you show up to lead the business your soul came here to create, including wellness, prosperity, growth, spirituality, and fulfillment. I'm so excited and grateful you found your way here. Let's dive into today's episode so you can add something new to your toolbox of expansion and learn how to master entrepreneurship and life like nobody's business. is to help you get on top of this month's topic with actionable strategies that you can begin implementing now. Together, we'll craft a plan with some structure you can relax into and get you set up for whatever success would look and feel like for you. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have Tracy Roberts here with me today. She is not only an amazing, amazing visionary and the co-steward of medicine for the modern soul, but she is so many other things as well. And she, I've been so honored to support her in her work over the last year and even prior, I guess, technically like the last two years fully, but this past year in the mastermind Um And I'm so excited for you to meet her and learn more about her work. And today, the conversation is going to be all about leading and nurturing well communities and how she defines that term of well community, how we know if we are leading a well community and what that really means and breaking down the sort of inner workings of that. Um, Tracy's work also has roots as a wilderness and somatic and soul-centered psychotherapist, mind-body medicine practitioner, an embodiment coach, and wilderness and rite of passage guide. And as such, she weaves and synthesizes a diverse range of modalities and traditions through her work, holding the vision for restoring well community and guiding us through individual and collective initiatory times. I'm so glad to have you here. Yay. First podcast. First podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Even more of an honor. I'm so excited to dig in with you. I know we have kind of talked about these concepts, but almost in little blips here and there, like around a coaching session or something. And so I'm so excited to dive in and really like highlight and showcase your brilliance today in the work that you do. And also for myself, just learn even more about it from like a different angle, a different perspective. Yeah, it's so good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, my first question is, I know that I just read your bio and all of that, but how would you say in your own words that you define the work that you're doing right now with medicine for the modern soul and just in the other facets of 
the work that you do? How would you explain that to someone? Yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> um, yeah, to be honest, it's an evolving answer. Uh, you know, my roots, as you mentioned, um, are in wilderness and somatic psychotherapy. And so I've been in that world for like a really long time. Um, you know, I've worked in the coaching kind of field, outdoor education, outdoor leadership, et cetera. Um, and I think, you know, the way that I would really define my work now is a lot more of just a guide, um, teacher, you know, um, I had a friend one time who said, I'm a grandmother in training. And I was like, yeah, that really, that feels right to me. Um, and so I often joke that I'm an elder in training and, you know, and to me, what that means is just really supporting both individuals and collect and like also the collective, um, to step into kind of you know, what a lot of, you know, with initiatory work is called like full maturation, um, or an initiated adulthood. Uh, and, and that's a process in itself. Um, so yeah, I work a lot with individuals. Um, and then my bigger passion is working with community and, uh, group experiences. Beautiful. Do you want to share a little bit more about like what medicine for the modern soul is and what that means to you? And I know you, you also have a, a partner in that. I do. I have a really awesome partner in that. <laughs> and they're really, you know, to be honest, a community that is what really actually holds the whole vision together. Um, yeah, so we have a business called Medicine for the Modern Soul. And um, I think the best way to maybe say it is that our vision is to restore well community. And, um, you know, for me, what that means is like really paying attention to the rhythm of soul and the collective and kind of guiding people back to that like belonging and remembrance in that, um, you know, so medicine for the mind, like on a more practical level, we do, um, mostly what we call retreats, uh, gatherings and immersive experiences. Uh, and really it's like an immersion. Uh, and so, it's almost impossible to describe them, uh, but really what it is, is it's, it's almost like we really hold the space at the retreat and kind of weave in a lot of uh, different things. But, you know, sort of the the, the wording that we often use is um, to bring forth like work that our souls crave. You know, so we create these experiences where women really get to land and to be and to play and to grieve and to cry and to laugh and um, and really all of it. Um, and yeah, so we do that through a bunch of different things like embodiment exercises, somatic work, uh, a lot of ceremony and ritual, a lot of grief ritual, um, a lot of play, um, yeah, movement, all of it. So that's all kind of like very, all the ways. Yeah. That's kind of the, the blip of it. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. It's been so awesome to watch just to see the footage and I'm excited to come yeah. to one of your retreats soon, but, um, one of your experiences rather, however we want to say it, an immersive experience. Um, and because it's not just a retreat. And that I think has become so clear in the way that you speak about it, in the way that, you know, the people who have attended speak about it. It's like so much bigger and deeper and more and different than that. Like it's so much different just to paint the picture for those listening than going on something like a yoga retreat or, um, I mean, I think what's really beautiful is that so many people take the term retreat and do so many different things with it, right? Like I've been on yeah. yoga retreats that have been very much about like, okay, we practice yoga twice a day and then we eat together and the rest of the time you can do whatever you want. And it's not really like a held 
container yeah. in that sense for transformation. And then I've also been on retreats for like masterminds and things like that, that have been much more like held with a depth um, and a lot of presence and a lot of different modalities woven in. And maybe yoga is like a mm-hmm. footnote, <laughs> like a way you could start your day if you want. Um, and so I think when we talk about retreats, even, or just immersive experiences, I think so many people have had so many different experiences, even within that one type of experience that it could be so different. And I know what you do and what you and Katrina mm-hmm. do with medicine from modern soul is so unique in yeah. from probably anything that any of us have ever experienced. And I'd love to hear about, um, the ways that you create well community and what that really means for you on on like an operational level. Like what, what does it look like to have well community or to create that and lead in that way through an experience, like a transformational experience? Um, And how do we know when that's not happening maybe as a contrast? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I might zoom back out and then come back and answer that more directly. So let me know if I go down a rabbit hole that's not that. Perfect. Um, (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I was thinking a lot about this question of just like, what is actually defining a well community? And I think it's really difficult to define. And the reason for that, at least from my perspective, is that like, we don't really have a model of that in our culture. Um, you know, so much of where I, I'm pretty sure, like, I think I told you, I'm pretty sure I made this word up. Um, <laughs> uh, but Love it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but, you know, so much, uh, so many of like my teachers have been like, you know, Maladoma Somme and Francis Weller and even some of Bill Klocken or Michael Mead or some of those, you know, people um, who have been very influential in this. And, you know, a lot of them talk about like sort of, um, you know, what culture used to look like and the differences mm-hmm. between um, a lot of, you know, more indigenous cultures uh, from around the world and then culture now. And so well, community is really different now. You know, we tend to be in such a um, individualistic, like heroistic culture where we're like kind of always striving and like trying to like be better and, you know, reach for these things and and more self-focused. And that's not how communities functioned. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we like, like in cultures, like even just like when someone was like born into you know, a community like purpose or, you know, and purpose is like a a very broad word, obviously, but just like sort of general purpose was recognized really early on. And so even when like really little ones were there, like that, you know, was something that was defined really early. And so if you can imagine of like what it would be like to grow up in that and where your value was honored and celebrated from a really early, you know, place in the world, like the kids and the teens, for example, were particularly tended to by the elders. And that's a really different type of world, you know, than we live in now. Um, you know, and I think the other piece of that is that like the initiations that we went through or the journey, the healing journeys, which is a very like cliche term now, you know, that people went through, like it wasn't actually about serving the individual. And this to me is a really massive difference, Mm. um, you know, where it was like the purpose of doing or moving through those, first of all, like a lot of the initiations weren't something that you actually chose either. It was something that you either got thrown into or um, was more of a rite of passage. But, you know, we, um, like the intention of going through that was to be able to bring our gifts and our medicine back to the community. And so it was for the greater collective. 
Um, and that's an incredibly different way of functioning in the world than we do now. You know, and so for us, even, <laughs> excuse me, um, at our experiences, if, if you've been to them or, um, you know, if you know about our community, like the biggest thing that we do really differently is we actually um, ask each member of our like every single retreat, um, to bring their medicine in whatever form that shows up and whatever form they want to bring that into the experience. You know, so part of also what I do, I guess, um, my work in the world is like weaving of that, you know, and so our experiences are super crafted. Um, and so basically I have a conversation with everyone and that could be anything that could be, you know, people choose to read a poem or to lead an embodiment practice or to share their story, um, storytelling or music, or to lead a ritual before a meal, you know, or um, to tend to the community, you know, so I have a conversation with each person, like before our experiences, um, and we come up kind of with what they want to bring to offer to the experience at that time. And then basically what I do, um, and Katrina and I do is weave that through the entire experience. Um, so that then becomes the container. So it's not me like bringing this, like, oh, like I'm the teacher or the guru and I'm going to like, you know, bring every gift that I have, you know, I can definitely lead an experience like that, you know, and I have a lot to offer in that, but that's not the point. And so we really actually take a step back and hold from a really different place and let the community actually be the medicine, you know, and there's something that happens, um, when, like each person's gifts, if you will, for the lack of a better word, gets to be recognized. And when they get to be celebrated and when they, you know, get to uh, be a part of the whole, but then they also get to witness and, you know, and celebrate and see like another person doing that. Um, and it just creates an experience that is like wildly different, you know? And so kind of back to your original question of like what well community is, you know, like, I mean, in a family system, that means one thing, you know, in, a retreat that means another like on the greater scheme you know like in culture that means a totally different thing you know and so for me when I define that um you know I think a lot about like I think Maladoma Somme said like when one person in a community is sick we all are um mm -hmm. And that really hit me one time, you know, where it was like, okay, like if we can actually like start to build well communities from the individual and from these small groups out, um, then people can also take sort of that idea of what that means to them into like their greater communities. And like, hopefully that will have a ripple effect. Um, and so there's a lot of ways to do that. And there's a lot of meaning, I think, of what well community looks like. Um, but at the end of the day, like the way that I think of it is that, like, is where we're actually journeying like you know take doing the undertaking of that journey into a, a mature adult or an initiated adult which again Francis Waller talks a lot about there's a lot of people that talk about that um and coming together from that place of wellness and actually being in community and embodying community from that place um yeah mm -hmm. so it's a I mean it's a huge topic um but yeah does yeah. that kind of answer that a little bit Totally. I love that. And I, to reflect and sort of build off of what you just shared, I feel like what I'm hearing from all of that is like when each person within a community, like you were saying this quote around, like if one person is sick, we all are. And also if one person is well, hopefully that creates a ripple effect of well-being throughout a community and positive impact and um, thriving, right? It's like, that is also contagious, just like 
if one person is sick, it's contagious for all. And I think in the yeah. world that we live in today, there's such a craving, like a deep craving and a deep need that goes unmet for most of us around being in community, being in healthy community, um, yeah. and being in intimate and deep community with one another, because we're so in, in ways, obviously we're so much more connected than we ever have been in a yeah. sense. That's like so overwhelming for our systems. Like we're not quite designed to take in that level of information all the time about that level, that many people at all times, like we do on social media, when we just open <laughs> Instagram, it's like suddenly flooding. Right. Um, yeah. and I'm also hearing from like a leadership perspective that there's a lot of, that there has to be a lot of trust and a lot of release of control over what an experience is supposed to be, or what an experience is, um, like specifically like uh, the, the image I'm getting is like a very tight, tightly run ship, you know, like in a way that, uh, is, is too rigid for the magic to happen. And I hear what you're saying is that in the experiences that you weave together, there's a real trust in each of the individuals showing up and then their gifts and their medicine in what they're bringing to the table and what they are meant to experience or learn or heal or receive, in that experience, in that space. And mm. if you were to overly control it or think you knew exactly what should be happening for each person, it would be the equivalent of like sucking all the magic out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that there's this sort of like, there's this deep trust that allows for a release of control of the individuals, the experience, the collective and how yeah. things unfold. And I think that's so central and key to having um, like a, a well-held structure, but then also with a lot of trust. Totally. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of threads in that. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting, right? Like I, I think it's an art, right? And I, I, you know, I'm a big nervous system person and I know that that's a very buzzy like word right now, but to be able, like, you know, I want to go back a little bit to the community piece of this, what you were speaking to, like, because, you know, yes, like to have a living community, we have to have healthy individuals and to have healthy individuals, we have to have a living community. And Francis Weller says that often. Um, but from, in my opinion, like the shadow side of community is that we have a lot of wounding in community. Mm -hmm. Um, which is a really important thing to name. Um, and whether that's an end like with, you know, individual relationship or, um, you know, with women or with whatever. Um, and that's something that, you know, like as a facilitator or as a leader, you know, like, you know, half of my job in these, I mean, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one experience or a group is like, you know, what is my actually capacity to be in my own body, you know, and to hold an experience, um, or to be a mirror for someone, you know, and have I actually gone through initiations and come out on the other side. And, and those are things, you know, we don't just go through one initiation and, you know, we're good. Um, and, but you know, like, so for me, like I have so much integrity in that and where it's like, you know, and there's such an art in being able to show up in that way as a leader. And I also, you know, I think it's important to know like where our humanness lies in that and where we're, you know, maybe not able to hold that as well, or, um, 
And so I just want to name that piece of it, you know, as you're speaking to that, because I think that's a super important thing. And, you know, I see a lot of, and, you know, I have no interest in criticizing the way that people are doing things. Um, Cause I, I, you know, I have a genuine belief that we, um, you know, we can only do like, we're, we're always doing the best that we can with the tools that we have at any given time and the tools mm-hmm. more particularly that we can access. And, but I do think that there's a lot of, um, you know, people out there who are like trying to take on some of this collective work, you know, who perhaps like don't have that skill set to be able to really hold that for, you know, that wounding or that like awareness, um, or that, you know, what, what comes up in with you even, or like as an individual, like when in relationship with others. And so that's a little bit a part of this as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you navigate actually finding sort of the separation and building a, let's see, how do I want to phrase this? Like building a healthy relationship dynamic with clients Mm -hmm. or people that you're, you know, whether it's like retreat participants or one-on-one clients and things like that. I think you've spoken to this um, in our mastermind group before and given some really beautiful wisdom around how you, how you walk that line or how you, you know, navigate that space of building a healthy dynamic. And I think it's something that on the podcast specifically, I've spoken about like maybe things that contribute to that not happening (laughs) to not having a healthy dynamic, but for you, or, you know, if you were working with someone, um, how would you, how would, what are the pieces of that, that kind of play in for you? Yeah. Um, so are you asking just kind of what are the pieces of like working healthily with a client essentially? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ooh, yeah. That's a big yeah. one. Interesting. Like I, I, this, another question I think about a lot actually is this, because, you know, as they're like in my formal training as like a therapist and I had really, um, very like holistic training, very different, I would say training than a lot of therapists have. Um, and so grateful for that. Just really incredible mentors and teachers in that, you know, and, um, I went to, for my master's, I went to Naropa university and we learned a lot about how to sit with, like really sit with someone, you know, mm-hmm. and I started graduate school later than some, I think I graduated with my master's at 30 and started PhD, maybe at like 33 or something like that. Um, and you know, like I was smart enough when I was 30 to know that, like, I don't really actually know how to do that very well. No, you know, like that's not something that we, again, like really learn how to do. And I didn't have a lot of guides and mentors and teachers to be able to do that, you know, and so more like formal, like psychotherapy training or coach and coaching training is a little bit different, at least from the ones that I've done, you know, it's like they're, you know, you talk about boundaries and like, um, you know, dual relationships and all of these things. And, you know, the reality is that at in some capacity, like being human in relationship to another person is really where that healing happens. Now, again, like this takes a lot of art and skill. And I want to be really clear about that, you know, to be able to like sort of navigate that relationship from a place of like, at what point, how do I show up in realness, you know, or what parts of myself do I share? You know, how do I engage in that way? Um, And then also, you know, really like have this really beautiful relationship with this client that is like health, like truly healthy and boundary. And, you know, for me, one of the ways that I do that is I'm constantly working, um, or not working, I don't love that word, but like, 
you know, it matters to me. Like it matters to me to be able to show up in vulnerability. It matters to me to have the hard conversations with people. You know, it matters to me to learn different skill sets of being able, you know, relational, like to be able to relate with somebody in a more healthy way. You know, and so that's something that individually, like I can really tend to, um, and that I do really tend to, you know, and anybody who's worked with me, like knows that like I, for better or worse, <laughs> like I am who I am at all times, you know, and incredibly authentic in that. And that can be really uncomfortable for people. Um, mm. Like, for example, you know, like in group scenarios, like we, you know, I have clients that get to see me in like different ways. Right. And, you know, like, I think sometimes we unintentionally pedestal our mentors and teachers, you know, of like, oh, like they're this or they're that, or, you know, they put mm -hmm. a projection on you. And one of the things that I really teach people is like, you know, please don't project that onto me. Like I am human as well. And as I'm on the same journey, I'm a fellow traveler with you. Um, you know, and although I'm guiding you through this, what that really means is that I've had this experience, you know, and I've sort of come on this other side of this. And that doesn't mean I have all the answers. And like, I know how to walk, I know how to sit with you in this. And I know how to walk this journey with you. And I know how to have boundaries like for myself so that I can also protect that energy so that I can actually show up in this relationship. Um, you know, I think it's similar to, I mean, in some capacity, it's similar to any relationship, you know, like in a romantic relationship, for example, it's that beautiful dance between sovereignty and intimacy, where it's like, you know, like how, how as a leader, do I go feed myself, you know, and really like, um, do what matters for me and then come back and be able to, and like, bring that again, that sort of gift back into a relationship, you know, in that intimacy piece. And it's similar with clients. Um, and, you know, I, again, I, Francis Willers has been such a mentor for me, but like, you know, he talks a lot. He he shares an experience about when he became a therapist, you know, about how his uh, mentor said, like, you know, soul works at the pace, like of glacial speed or something like that. I can't remember mm. the exact wording. And it's true, you know, and so I think also really slowing down in that and, you know, being with somebody in like a more authentic way is so powerful. Um, yeah, I don't know if that fully answers it, mm. but. Mm hmm mm hmm I love that. I could listen to you talk about that for ever. <laughs> I feel like um, <clears throat> one of the things that I think can be really challenging for people, especially in the earlier stages of business of any kind, really, if you're holding space for others in any capacity, whether, you know, any service-based business, or if you have a product-based business and you have a team of people or you're dealing with customers, any of it. Um, and of course that bridges into like personal relationships and all the things, because I really think business is such a great mirror for us of like the things that we might not be able to see so clearly in other areas of our lives that don't have as tight of feedback loops as business does. Yeah. Um, but I think that one of the challenging things for people is like not taking those things personally or knowing where the boundaries are or knowing that like you're just gonna rub some people the wrong way and like that's about them a lot of the time and sometimes you have a part in it and also yeah how do you you know like there's yeah. you just there's acceptance around well okay <laughs> that's yeah. that's why we're here right now is like for me to be I don't know partially to, to show you something that maybe you're not seeing. 
or to, you know, not to like intentionally trigger you, but like something about me or the way that I do something might just not be for you, or it might be an invitation for you, or it might be part of an initiation or something to that degree. And I wonder if you have any words or perspectives around that, like, yeah. (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay I know this is something that came up also in um in like the mastermind recently and um just like communicating that actively is a challenge for a lot of people or even knowing like oh my gosh what like the tendency to take it so personally or the tendency to let it really throw you off or the tendency to make it about something bigger than it is or yeah, whatever, like we can go in so many different directions with that in our own minds when we don't feel prepared or like, well, resourced to know what to do when that occurs. Totally. Ooh, yeah, this, I mean, this could be a 10, you know, serious ten podcast. year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, like, I for like the first thing that I like just want to do is like put my hand on my heart, you know, just both for my myself and for all of you, right? Where it's like we're human. And I think that being in relationship with other humans is just layered and it always will be. Um and I think that even just naming that is something, you know, both for clients and for practitioners, that's so important to name. Um, Oh, you know, like being like having a rupture in a relationship of any kind is never fun. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think in terms of like how, like that, you know, not taking things personally is so easy to say. Um, and like, sometimes it hurts, you know, like when somebody says something that doesn't feel true, it hurts. Right. And I often say this to clients where it's like, I can say one thing. Um, and like, if, so say there's a group of 10 people in front of me and I can say the same thing and each 10 of those people are going to filter that information through their own lens. And that's their own lens of family. That's their own lens of how they've been in relationships before. It might be, you know, it might get triggered by something that happened in a partnership or a friendship or a siblingship or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and so that is a really real thing, you know, and I've had a lot of mentors tell me my, so I'm, well, I tend to be pretty like, uh, and like grounded and like my nervous system tends to be very regulated. And, um, and sometimes for example, that actually triggers people because it's like, they don't know what I'm thinking, you know, or, mm. um, I might say something just really cleanly, or at least, you know, that's how I experience that or that, you know, or it feels energetically really clean and I can't control what someone else is going to say to that, you know? And so I really do think it's sort of a constant dance of relational skills again, and really learning again, like how to expand the capacity in your own nervous system to hold, um, and to sort of move through like different relational things that are triggers for you and to really know what those are. Um, and you don't, you know, like we don't always have to understand the why of them. You know, a lot of the times we want to get into the story about that, but it's like, either way, like, it's like, if I'm having a conversation with something and my nervous system is activated, you know, like, again, like, um, 
really coming back into my own body um, and regulating myself and like really taking care. And that can happen in a split second, or that can be something that I do outside of business, right? Um, and then there's the place of, you know, so there's that sort of individual process, right? And then there's the actual relationship process of how do you show up with a client in that? Or how do you move through the rupture into repair? You know, and I think that there's a line between this because, uh, you know, I think I actually don't think most therapists get excellent training on this. I know that coaches do not. Um, and most health practitioners also do not. But, you know, for me, like when there's a rupture in relationship with anyone, um, a client who perhaps projects onto me or, you know, had a reaction to something I said, you know, my job essentially, but more importantly, like what matters to me as a human is to actually show up with that in like with them, um, whether they decide to work with me or not, that's a choice that I make, you know, I will always choose relationship over business. That doesn't mean that I will go, you know, super far to like the extent of like, um, you know, basically dysfunctional relationship with a client, but like, that is something that I will engage in until it's like very clear that it needs to not, you know, be an engagement anymore, you know, for, so for example of that, like, I'm trying to think like, um, I had, you know, like a client, for example, which I'm sure we all had. And so I'll try to use something that might be relatable to someone, you know, who essentially emailed me at one point and was like, Hey, like, I didn't really like, I felt like I felt judged or I felt like this happened or something, whatever. And like, I'm going to, you know, blah, 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 not work with you or whatever. So whenever that happens, which is pretty rare, but it does happen. Um, you know, the way that I engage it is like, Hey, like, I invite them into a conversation, essentially. Um, and then I essentially say, like, like, validate that and be like, I would imagine like that that's a lot, you know, that, that you know, you essentially you've been carrying this and that's a lot to hold. And like, I, I can imagine how that felt, you know, on my end, like this was my experience and like, it matters to me, like, you know, like this relationship matters to me. And so I'll essentially invite that into a conversation. Um, you know, I think my hope is that we all learn how to do that in business, um, whether that's with our business partners, whether that's with our clients, whether that's, you know, with the people that we, you know, coordinate with, with other things, whatever, um, because that's what actually builds, you know, sort of that healthy relationship, which also builds that healthy community outside of that. Um, now, again, that's going to take like us as individuals really learning those skills um, and being able to like move through the rapture. Um, I think in any relationship, I don't know if this is helpful, but I'm kind of going down a rabbit hole. So I'll go down it for a second and then we can loop back. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, Please do. <laughs> like, you know, it's like we, I, I, I have a pretty firm belief that, um, you know, we really in relationship with anyone, like we really do need to have a rupture before we actually know that that relationship is safe. Mm -hmm. I don't mean that from a big place, right? But like, you know, if we're friends or, um, or if we're working together, like you're my coach, et cetera, you know, it's like, there's some part of most of us because of that, again, like that shadow side of relationship, which is that there's wounding in that, that's like, Hey, like, is this actually safe for me to show up as myself or to name how I'm actually feeling or to name a frustration or to tell you that I don't think that this is working? Um, is there actually safety in that for us to be able to show up in that together and to move through it? Um, and that's a really real thing, you know, and obviously I'm not naming, um, 
that can go a lot of dysfunctional. I don't love that word either, but like ways, and I'm not naming, I'm not trying to like name some of those because that's like a whole nother conversation, but there really is an art to being able to show up in rupture and repair and relationship, you know, and these are the things that ripple out, right? Like these are the interactions that, you know, hopefully we can start to have as individuals with everybody that we're interacting with. Um, and we can't control what people say about us. Like, you know, and oftentimes one of my really good friends who's also incredibly wise, you know, it will speak to a lot of like the more, it's almost like the more embodied that we come in like the, these skill sets, the harder relationships actually are, you know, because when our nervous system is used to chaos and relationship, we unintentionally oftentimes seek that because it's what we know. You know, and so when there is more of that safety and security or that steadiness um, or that, you know, true like like depth that you can show up with, a lot of the times that's hard for people, whether they know it or not, because they're not used to that. Um, mm -hmm. And so I, I'll name that, too, for um, just to normalize that experience, because I think that can also be hard when you're like, hey, like I'm doing this work, I'm showing up in this way, and it's still happening, you know, people are still projecting or they're whatever, which they're going to do, you know, it's just about being human. Um, but yeah, that's something that's really real too. So I'll name that piece. Mm -hmm. um, come out of that rabbit hole. <laughs> I love <laughs> Let that. Let me know if there's anything that, yeah. No, that's perfect. I think that's such a beautiful thread to weave of, um, that it doesn't just because we're doing the work doesn't mean that it's getting easier all the time in every way. Yeah. And I would love to hear more thoughts on that. If you want to go there, I think that that's something like the, you know, initiations in life and thresholds and, you know, big <laughs> life-changing moments and the things that you often are walking through with people um, yeah. and walking people through in their own lives and their own experiences. Like, I think there's an idea in the collective and maybe this is, we can chat about sort of just like the current pulse on therapy, coaching, healing, et cetera yeah. here. But um, I think there's a common misconception perhaps that like, oh, well, if you just do the work, then everything will be like love and light and rainbows and you'll never have anything bad happen to you and you'll be protected in a bubble of white light and nothing will ever occur that's uncomfortable again. And then it's like a very rude awakening when that isn't the case, <laughs> right? Um, and actually counter to that is what you just shared, which is like, actually, it might get harder in some ways, because people don't know what to do with that, because it's unfamiliar, or it's uncomfortable, or it's showing them a part of themselves that might be um, not quite fully into that maturation phase that you spoke of earlier, too. So any wherever you want to go with that is cool with me but I know we have talked about also just interesting trends and things and things going on in you know the coaching therapy industries mm -hmm. um so whatever direction you want to take that go right ahead <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure that's a clear question but yeah what let me ask you actually a question first if that's mm -hmm. okay yeah. Out of what you just said, what feels like it, what do you notice that has maybe the most energy for people in this conversation? And then I'll go down that thread. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember what I just said, other than like the coaching therapy space. Um, yeah. 
So maybe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, great. Um, in terms of like the coaching therapy space, let me think about this. Um, I know it's funny. I just lost it too. Like my brain was listening, <laughs> obviously, but there's a lot to that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm losing it too. Yeah. Well, we, we mentioned earlier before we started recording, just this, like speaking to the culture that's been created in the coaching and therapy world and how maybe we can do that better and more ethically and in more integrity. So if there's anything there that feels alive for you. Lots. Um, (laughs) Gosh. Yeah. the, The culture right now is, oh man, like Instagram is one of those worlds right now that I'm so grateful for. And also, so just like, what is happening? Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we're speaking to like the, you know, embodiment of these skills and you were, you, you were earlier or just a minute ago, you were kind of mentioning that, like um, that part of, uh, you know, like when we have the skills, we sort of expect this certain outcome, you know, in relationship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think in the coaching and therapy and healing world right now, there's so much information. Um, I don't know if I'm going to go where we were going to go, but I'm going to go somewhere with this. And our bodies cannot digest all of that information, mm-hmm. you know? And so what I see is this, you know, I often say like as a teacher or guide, like the more I know, I don't know. And I think there's so much wisdom in that, you know, and um, right now we're just on the information overload, you know, and you and I have talked about this a lot with like sort of what happened with COVID. And I also think that there's this like coaching and therapy space right now where people are really going like everyone, it's awesome because everyone feels empowered and they want to bring their medicine to the world and their gifts to the world. And they want to do this and this and that, which is so great, but like really, you know, and kind of going back to well communities in my perspective, you know, like the, the direction that we should be heading in is a lot more community focused. Um, and, you know, like, again, there's this sort of heroistic individualistic culture that is existing right now. And there's a lot of value in that. And at the same time, what I'm seeing is that there isn't a lot of collaboration, there isn't a lot of collective um, you know, sort of recalibrating of how we do things. And I don't know, like, I I could talk about this for a really long time. But I think it's important for us, like, as individuals to pay attention to, you know, sort of the value of that. Um, And, like, maybe how we can show up in that a little bit differently. You know, a lot of people will often say, like, oh, like, I would rather do things by myself, which I get, you know, it makes a lot of sense. Um, But at the same time, you know, there's, I, I question that sometimes of like that sort of like, you know, that mentality of like, oh, like I want to do that because of course it's easier, you know, like it's always easier to work by yourself. Well, that's not true. Most of the time it's easier. You know what I mean? When you don't actually have to navigate the like the dyna- dynamics of, you know, lots of people. But I also wonder like in our field, like what will shift when we can do that? Um, and when we can really, you know, we, we, we say so many words about like, you know, 
like guiding people back home or journeying back home and, you know, really like teaching people and supporting people to go back into that individual space. But again, my, you know, kind of the question that I said at the very beginning is like the intention of community, well, community was never about like the individual, like growing and like, you know, succeeding in this big way. Um, and so it's like, you know, how do we really come back at least and, and I recognize this as my dream for the world, not necessarily everyone else's, but it's like, you know, like if we can really come back to like that place of like, as we step into our medicine or our gifts, if you will, or whatever word you want to insert there, like, how is this actually supporting the collective, you know, and what is that, you know, you know, like for humanity um you know and the, the thing i haven't mentioned is also just like the relationship with earth you know we're not separate from that and so there's that's a whole nother conversation in itself too but when we really um when we really function in a world from a more integrated place that is like my hope for like the direction of this field um so that's that's a little bit what's kind of feeling um mm. where i'm feeling pulled to talk about but mm-hmm. yeah i love it do you see, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of things speaking to like industry trends, if you will, or just yeah. the direction of it rather is I've noticed that there's been a, a shift for mm-hmm. some, a certain group of people, not all, but like, I think you and I would be in this yeah. category of kind of moving um, deeper into the humanness, deeper into the earth them popping out to like the 5d whatever like the other (laughs) dimensions versus like being here actually fully present aware here now with what working with what's actually here and available and real and all of that versus sort of bypassing mm-hmm. uh, the human experience to kind of pop out yeah. into things that feel maybe more exciting or <laughs> I don't know what what words would be appropriate for that. Um, do you have any thoughts on that or musings? Oh, so many. <laughs> so I can't many. remember if we we forgotten about this or not, or if this was something yeah. that. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I had a um very wise uh dear human to me this summer essentially say that and he's a, a lot younger than I am and so I think there's a piece of generational to this too, but he said to me like he's like I feel like as humans like we're actually we're meant to live in the physical world. And that like really hit me. And I know this and I'm, you know, I I I can hang out in the, you know, the up here world and the soul world, the spirit up up here in the soul world with any of them, with the best of them. But there's something to that that I think is incredibly important. And, you know, it's like, I think oftentimes, even like in a really practical place, like, you know, we're sort of reaching for this experience um, or, you know, like, I mean, even in the world of plant medicine or like some of these big nervous, you know, even breath work, like these things that can really um, there's, you know, they, they can be supportive, but they can also blow our nervous systems or they, whatever, every experience in between. Um, I have no, you know, judgment on any of those. And I think that there's a place and a time for all of those, but there's something about, um, I think the physical world, you know, and really simple, like connection with the earth, you know, ceremony, ritual, um, that way of living that 
we can learn a lot from if that makes sense. You know, I think that many of us have this really deep longing for sort of this like passionate adventure um, and to have like life and to have like a meaningful and valuable contribution to like the world and to humanity. But a lot of us don't know really how to make that real. And so, you know, I don't know, I can't speak for individuals, but there's, I do think that there's sort of this trend of, um, you know, it's like almost where that longing becomes this like deep search for something really drastically to shift. And there's, again, there's a time and place for that, right? Some of these initiate initiatory experiences, which, you know, we get thrown into, they will, they'll like, they'll change our lives, you know, and they'll take us down into the depth and then into the whole, you know, and, um, and like, I think that there is something to like, I'm kind of losing my train of thought a little bit here, but um, you know, even again, from like a nervous system place, sometimes these shifts can be a lot more subtle. So when we're really working with like the physical world, like I, earth is just so gentle and like loving and like, so, you know, like the, the shifts, um, and the changes and the, like the cycles of weather and seasons, um, you know, are just a little bit different and they're a little bit more natural. Um, and did I lose you? Looks like I might've lost you. Oh, you still there? Sorry. I didn't have any sound for a, a bit there, so I didn't hear what you said, but I'm sure it was amazing. <laughs> no worries. Yeah, I feel like I'm like a little bit going in circles, but um, yeah, I guess I don't have a ton to say about this in the context of what we're talking about, but I do think that like engaging in really simple, beautiful, like physical ways, whether that's movement, um, you know, definitely in deep connection to the earth. Um is such an undervalued part of healing, you know, like, you know, sometimes like putting a hand on our heart is like the most beautiful thing that we can do. Or for me, like walking or pilgrim, I just um, got off the, the community of Santiago with a client and like just walking and like being in pilgrimage with this client was one of the most beautiful things. And like, you know, she was in her body, she was connected to other humans. She was connected to the earth. Like there's these more simple ways I think that we can, um, you know, that we can really move through the world and like grow and shift. And, and it's not even about changing or growing all the time, but it's like, that can actually sort of anchor us into that belonging um, a little bit differently. So, yeah, I just, I guess some of my hope too for the world is, is to simplify and to connect deeper with the earth. And even that magic right there is a lot. Mm -hmm. so, I don't know if that's, it does it makes perfect sense and I think it's it's interesting I feel like a lot of times we we might forget or sort of abandon our own power that's already here yeah to, or like hand it off to like not that oracle cards are not awesome sometimes I'm not saying that but sometimes yeah, I yeah. think we have a tendency to go like outside of ourselves or to go sort of like up and out of our bodies to try to find answers to things that maybe we just like, maybe the solution is like, get in a room with other humans. Maybe the solution yeah. is put a hand on your heart. Maybe it's to go for a walk. Maybe it's to like, have yeah. a really long hug, you know? And it, it's those things, like you were saying, the simple things of sort of like, remembering that like, yes, we are a soul, but we are also a soul having a human experience in a human body. Yeah. And 
we are social animals also like we are we're not beyond or above the needs of like our physical human earth dwelling selves yeah (laughs) you know I do. And, you know, I was just like, as you're speaking, and maybe this loops it back around a little bit, it's like, I think about, and I've been in a lot of, I've worked in a lot of different contexts, and I've done a lot of different journeys myself, and, and I find value in each of them. But when I really think about the times, and honestly, it's why we started Medicine for the Modern Soul, like, it's really like a collection of all of the things in my life that I've learned, you know, like, I, um, I guess I didn't share any of this. Maybe I'll share a little bit about kind of how I got here. But, you know, I started um, working in like, actually, what really got me into a lot of this work was very physical world. Like I went to college in Montana. Um, I grew up in South Dakota and um, I was a big outdoor kid and uh, decided to go to Montana. And like the very first summer out of college, I like randomly ended up working at this summer camp out East. And so I started to have this like, you know, experience of summer camp, which is not something I went to as a kid, um, which is again, it's like, you know, sort of the threads of like what we do with medicine, which is like nature, community, like ritual, um, and the power of like, like even circle, you know, like I feel like some of the most, um, powerful experiences I've had have been in circle around a campfire, you know, and I think about these very physical experiences, um, with nature specifically of, you know, outdoor education or wilderness therapy, or being with a group of humans in the woods, you know, or backpacking or, um, and, and like, even when I was working wilderness therapy with teenagers, um, and I've done that in different capacities with adults, to be honest, it's the most like effective and transformational, um, experiences that I've seen anyways. And I think a lot of that is because we start to sink in with the rhythm of nature and like Mm -hmm. the rhythm of nature can teach us everything, you know, like there's a lot of natural consequences. Like if I, if it rains and I don't take shelter, I'm going to get wet you know, Mm -hmm. um, or like, great, we can't actually control the river, you know, like, and if I fight the river, um, I'm probably not going to win. I'm definitely Mm -hmm. not going to win, you know, but I can learn to sort of flow with it or to like, you know, use skills to go down the river in a more effective way, you know, or in the mountains, like, you know, like climbing, you know, like, or even just walking up a mountain and down, like there's so many mirrors that nature provides for us, particularly when we're paying attention, you know, and so kind of coming just back to the physical place, like I really, um, and, you know, I think a lot of this is why we've sort of created a lot of these experiences that we have is really to come back into like connection with self, with soul, with community and with uh, mama earth. Um, and there's a lot of magic there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Yes, 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 yes. I love these examples of like what what nature can teach us on a very specific like, yes, I, I'm going to lose if I try to go upstream. <laughs> it's not going to happen. There is something way more powerful than me. Um, even if I'm the strongest human in the whole world, I'm not yeah. going to win that fight. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and just like recognizing and learning our own place in the sort of like natural order. Yeah, it's bringing to mind a lot of Pocahontas references <laughs> for me right now as I think about that. <laughs> oh, so fun. Yeah. Um. So to wrap us up and kind of bring us home. Yeah. What What is the kind of leadership that you hope to embody 
and be a stand for as a leader of your work, as a leader of your communities, of uh, as a leader in your life with with clients, all of it. What do you hope to, what kind of leadership, like how would you describe the kind of leadership that allows for well community and that allows for you to really feel like fully expressed in your medicine? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I think the first is to like be myself, you know, um, and yeah, another thing that Francis often says is that in every culture, we tend to orient around three different questions, which is who am I, um, where do I belong and what really matters essentially. And, you know, for me, how I want to be as a leader is I want to live and lead from this place that I believe in and from who I am really, you know, not who I've been conditioned to be, but like who I really am. Um, and that's a, I ask myself that question every day. It's a deepening question for me. It's not that I, the core of who I am changes. Um, but it's like, yeah, who am I really? Um, and they say that that's, you know, there's a, a model of development that's like older, like adulthood is who am I and older adulthood is who am I really, you know? And so I think for, you know, for us leading well community or, you know, again, it starts with, um, personally, I think it starts with seeking elders, you know, and I want to live from this very embodied place where I'm really showing up for my life. You know, I'm really living it. I'm walking the journeys. I'm listening to the calls. I'm, you know, really showing up in as myself in every relationship, not just the ones that serve me, you know, whether it's a stranger on the street. And that doesn't mean I bear my soul to everyone, but that what that means is that I, I come from this open hearted place, you know, this open love, like we're at this openness, right. To every emotion, to every person, to every experience, um, and move through the world from that place. Um, Hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, my, really my goal in life is to become a well elder, like a true, you know, we don't have a lot of real elders in our culture right now. Mm -hmm. Um, but it would really like, it means a lot to me so that I can, um, you know, continue to, uh, guide, I guess, um, and that is more of an action word, but like, you know, to, to be able to like sort of that full cycle of humanity, you know, like I love, like, I want to lead from this place of also like recognizing and really celebrating the value of children and like teenagers. They're my favorite. They're the truth tellers, Mm -hmm. right? Like they're the ones that come that have so much, like, they don't have all the like web, like kind of gunk of like stories. Like they're so authentically themselves. And I love that about kiddos and teens. Um, And, you know, obviously teens have a little bit more of that, but yeah, I think, for me that like really matters. Um, and I remember like, uh, I had a coach actually, I've had many people ask me this in mentorship spaces of just like, you know, oh, like, what do I do if I'm like out here and I see a client in this way or blah, 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 you know, or mm-hmm. if I, um, or if somebody asks me about this topic and what I said to them, you know, is like, maybe there's a different question there. Right. Where it's like, if I'm worried about how someone's going to see me like in, I don't know, downtown Whitefish, which where I live, mm-hmm. you know, the question I probably should be asking myself is like, am I actually showing up in the world in the way that I want to be showing up, you know, versus mm-hmm. like, what does someone, what happens like, you know, when I do something differently or someone perceives me in that way. 
you know, and so I think for me, like I always want to um, just be mindful, like attend, like place attention and intention on, um, yeah, just being like being me and being um, in integrity with the world. Mm-hmm. Mm, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. It's fun <laughs> to hear you riff on that. Yeah. Um, no. Okay. So, what do you have coming up? How can people work with you or receive? your medicine. Yes. (laughs) Um, and where can they find you? Where can they learn more? Um, right now the best and the only place really to find us is Instagram, um, medicine for the modern soul. And then my, um, you can find me at Tracy Rulane. Um, so we have, let's see, so we have a retreat in Costa Rica coming up in December, uh, which is where Katrina lives, um, which we're super excited about. And that one's called Wild and Sacred. Um, and we're leading it with a dear friend, Laura Darcy from Canada. Um, and then we have a winter, it's called Two Winter uh, Retreat in Montana, um, which I'm, oh, it's like the soul of what we do. It's really kind of like that really depth, like going in and like slowing down work. Um, and then we have, so our winter retreats and then our last one in the winter is spring equinox, which is kind of our bread and butter. It's where it all started. Um, and so that one's also in Montana. Uh, yeah. So those are the three coming up. And then we do some like local groups, um, seasonal kind of, uh, groups and, um, you know, some sporadic online workshops, but yeah, mostly the retreats and gatherings. Beautiful. Okay. Everybody go check that out. Go find them (laughs) on Instagram. Um, we'll link those like Instagram accounts up in the show notes for you. So they're clickable and easy to find. So go check it out and maybe go to Costa Rica. Why not? What are the dates for that one? Cause it'll be coming up soon. Yeah. The Costa Rica one is December 10th through the 17th. Uh, the winter retreat in Montana is January 26th through the 29th. And mm-hmm. then the spring equinox retreat in Montana is the 17th through the 20th of March. Beautiful. Okay. Yeah. Okay, everybody, mark your calendars, go reserve your spot. <laughs> Talk to Tracy about your medicine that you're going to bring and enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Tracy, for joining me for this conversation. This was so fun and so delightful and such a fun, like different way that we get to connect and play in the world. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. It's always fun to riff with you. Mm. thanks everybody for tuning in I will see you next week mm-hmm. keep your mind wide open keep your soul aligned you've got all the answers waiting there inside you're not alone take a throne Thank you so much for tuning into today's episode of Like Nobody's Business. So, what did you think? I hope you found this episode absolutely enlivening. If you loved it, I'd be so, so grateful if you'd help me spread the word by sharing this episode with a friend or a loved one you know would feel supported and encouraged by this too. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss an episode. It's also infinitely helpful to me and to my team if you take a moment to rate and review the podcast so that other trailblazers like you can find this resource, know it exists, and step out of struggle and into more ease. 
Thanks so much for sharing your time with me today and for taking this space to receive nourishment for your greatest vision. And in case no one told you this today, you are wildly brilliant, beautifully wise, and radically trustworthy. Keep shining your light so that all of those who need what you're here to share with our world can see, feel, and experience your unique medicine. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll talk to you soon. Like nobody's business.